Hello, I'm Dave. This is my wife, Kathy. Hello, Dave. You're mixing up the intro. Do you like that? Yeah, I love it. Um, we are walking to the BFI London IMAX by Waterloo to see Christopher Nolan's newest movie, Dunkirk. This uh, is apparently the best way to see this movie. We had a lot of people tweet us who've already seen it, saying, go to the IMAX, go to the IMAX, go to the IMAX. And we bought our tickets a week ago. That's how long it took to get them. It's been sold out all week. Yeah. Uh, could not get to this movie. So it's um, it's 5 to 10. On this, a Saturday morning. We're going at 10 a.m. But I'm happy because if we'd come after work, I think I wouldn't have been into it, but um, it's like my golden hour of energy. I know, I've never seen you so perky. (laughs) So I'm excited to go and see it now. Um, I think it's a good time to see it. So um, we're not... I think think we can safely say neither of us are really into war movies. No, I just don't watch them very often, or they're not out very often. Well, well also, I'm just like, I don't... I never really have engaged with any war movies in particular. I know, like... And I've seen them all. I've seen... You know, Platoon. What about like Saving Private me. Ryan? Were you into that? Saving Private Ryan was good, but I'd never sit down and watch it. Uh, yeah, like, I, I can't, can't like, remember it. Oh, let's throw on Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Like, but interestingly, I did see another movie about Dunkirk this year. What was it? Which was Their Finest, which you didn't see with me. Oh, right. So the premise that of that movie was Which that. you went to see with your mother. I went to Go see listen with my mother. to that. Um, so within that movie, they're making a movie about Dunkirk. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I have to be honest, this is like probably English people will think I'm a total idiot, but actually, not being from England, I didn't really know about Dunkirk. Did you think it was in Scotland? Because I did. No, I just did, didn't know anything about it um, until I saw that movie. So. Neither did I, I'll not, be honest. It, yeah, it's, I think it's something that like English people are really aware of, but I don't necessarily think it's something that's travelled, unless you're into history, war history, which I guess I'm not. And ne- I'll neither of us are history buffs I would go so far as to say we're both a little bit ignorant, ignorant yes about history particularly that and um, and then also I'm not the biggest Christopher Nolan fan in that I really liked Memento and I really liked Interstellar but I just was never into the his Batman movies they were just took themselves way too seriously for me for my liking well they are largely overrated I think yeah. to be honest I liked the first one I remember really liking the first one because that was such a shock when it came out you know it was so different and then when I saw the second and third ones I was like meh whatever over it um, if you want I, I did a, I did a full pat- podcast with my friend uh, Joe Kiley over on Shite Guys if you want to hear me talk way more about Christopher Nolan and my thoughts <laughs> on him um, at Shite Guys Pod um, but I'm kind of excited for this now I wasn't excited didn't have any interest in it but then all these rave I reviews I know I can't out. wait just for the full IMAX experience so I've only been to IMAX before in Sydney which I was never that impressed with it claimed to be the biggest IMAX in the southern hemisphere but I often wondered if it was because it was like the only IMAX in the southern hemisphere <laughs> yeah what else and, is um, in the we did see a really good movie there when we saw Mission Impossible 4 Ghost oh, Protocol, Ghost Protocol. just for that bit when he climbed up the building that was so amazing that was IMAX. amazing like that was our first IMAX experience yeah. as well and I just remember being like blown away but you know like that movie for instance had maybe I think three or four scenes in IMAX essentially the action basically scenes. the scene of him climbing up the building well that's the main one but it's very expensive to film on IMAX cameras so most movies tend to be I think even the Dark Knight movies you're about talking maybe 25% at the time was a very large number of scenes to be filmed in IMAX but this movie I read um, on the way over 
75% of this movie is in IMAX. Wow. It's in full IMAX. So this, well, this then it's worth the extortionate <laughs> price we paid for the tickets. Yeah, it's pricey. What did we pay? £40 for these tickets? Something like that. Yeah. But you know what? I'm, the way I'm going to treat this, and this is how Christopher Nolan sort of wrote it and intended it to be experienced, is it's, it's an immersive experience. It's very light on dialogue, apparently. It's very light on story. He said... Uh, quote from him was something like it's not about who these people are or their backgrounds it's about will they get out or how will they get out yeah I'm invested in it it's just I'm just going to view it as like an immersive experience and um, one of the reasons we waited a week to get the tickets is we could have got some earlier in the week like right up the front at the edge and we were like no we want good seats we don't want to be kind of at the edge of the screen right up the front yeah because it's hard and like no matter yeah. where you sit in IMAX it usually feels like you're up the front anyway and I've never been to so this immense. IMAX so I'm excited so yeah we're up for this one I think um, and I mean it's just getting such ridiculous reviews my friend Rob from the Electric Shadows podcast um, has been to see this three times already in one week wow yeah I'm hearing some mixed reviews some friends back in Ireland uh, said did nothing for them left them cold so I wonder yeah, I'm interested because yeah. a lot of his movies have left me cold and then Interstellar left me like a complete wreck of a human being. So. But in general, he's a cold director, I'd say. Like, he's very clinical. I think he's, I think he's a genius. I think he's um, very singular. He's one of a few, the few auteurs working in uh, I like how he pushes industries. for the cinematic experience and, you know, the use of film and all this sort of stuff. And we do need to mention the fact that Harry Styles is in this movie and my sister Jackie called it the Harry Styles movie and she wasn't joking she really meant that so I think that's actually <laughs> oh, wow. a genuine marketing point for people well Nolan says that he didn't know who Harry Styles was when he cast him unlikely um, well I think it's possible um, but it sounds like some casting agent would have he would be oh, like why somebody am I, knew why like, am I auditioning somebody who's never been in a movie before some, oh because he's famous for something else somebody in a boardroom somewhere said the words 16 to 24 audience <laughs> yeah. and this happened yeah anyway uh, apparently he's quite good so no judgement and let's go <laughs> but quickly you just pull the plug on these things yeah uh, well we are here so yeah let's uh, let's head in okay see you on the other Bye. side of Dunkirk They need to send more ships. Every hour the enemy pushes closer. They've activated the civilian boats. Civilians? We need destroyers. Where are we going? Dunkirk! I'm not going back. The other will die. You're weekend sailors, not the bloody navy. Should be at home. There's no hiding from this, son. We have a job to do. Turn it around. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. Okay. Um, we're just. A- <laughs> we're traumatised actually shell shock <laughs> we're just out of Dunkirk we're walking uh, down the south bank um, I can't even I'm like speechless that movie just knocked me sideways it was do you know what I finally get it I always thought IMAX was a bit of a gimmick and I actually 
genuinely no understand the function of it because that was incredible. That's one of the greatest cinematic experiences yeah. I've ever had. It was so immersive. Like, I just... I, do you know what? I was hoping I'd like it and I just had this feeling that I wouldn't and I have to say I loved it. As a, I, I totally agree. It's as, a, as a cinematic experience, one of the best things I've probably ever sat through. But also, just beforehand, they like did an introduction to the movie. Like the whole experience felt incredible, and then because we'd gotten really good seats right off the back, it was just like to be honest, I didn't notice the screen because so much of it was an IMAX. It wasn't like when we went to see Mission Impossible and the screen kept changing in and out of IMAX, and it was just all really weird. No, this see, I, I disagree. I disagree. Actually, I found it a little jarring. The because. Often in, in IMAX movies that have been shot, some scenes in IMAX, it's it's the entire a particular scene will be entirely filmed in IMAX. So there'll only be one transition to the to the widescreen to the bigger screen format, and it happens on a scene cut. This movie was actually cutting in and out of full screen mid scenes, which I actually you didn't oh, seem didn't to notice, notice but no. I was noticing it a little bit, which I actually found a little a little distracting because oh, the black bars were coming it. in and out, like based on like. The, different cuts during conversations sometimes. I think I was just so immersed in it that I was like just so blown away by the whole thing like but the sound oh my god it was almost like, too loud but it worked because it, we feel like we've been assaulted definitely too loud I yeah. think I, I, our baby might come out deaf yeah I had I genuinely thought that halfway through I suddenly put my hands over my bump as if that was somehow going to protect its ears I was like this is too loud it is I actually worry about hearing damage <laughs> no I mean there's no but way you would do hearing movie, damage because it was just the sound design in this the um, or first of all we're not going to spoil any particular plot points yet we'll talk about that more in a minute but just the the sound of the the bombers they sort of train you to hear that initial sound of the the plane engines coming in and you sort of get a little bit of Kenneth Branagh's reactions in particular and every any time that happened I felt this like dread in the pit of my stomach I just kept do you know what I think in terms of war and you know we were saying before the movie that we've not seen a lot of war movies but I've read a lot I've of I've seen books. a lot of war movies I or just said I, I just, just don't it's not a genre that I've re- in the last really couple of years I've been them. like going to the cinema or anything but in terms of I've read a lot of books set in the war like oh, in I'm World War 2 but, but to be sitting there with that noise and that vision was just something else like it just transported you to what you would imagine it would be like and how relentless it was like someone would get on a boat then the boat would sink then they'd get on another boat then that boat would sink then they'd be bombed and they'd be shot at and it was just like the absolute relentless this horror movie, of it this movie he's written uh, he's, he's spoken in interviews about how he sort of did away with the three act structure there is no there is no narrative three act structure here I disagree a, a little bit each plot had its own three act structure it, it kind of yeah I guess it kind of so did so we need to say there's three different plots and they're set across three different timelines um, I'm glad I had read that before I saw the movie because I think I might have felt I might I have spent have a lot of time trying agreed. to figure that out I had read it beforehand as well so there's one plot set over a week one plot set over a day and one plot set over an hour and because I understood that from having read it already I bought into it I was fully on board with it I loved it I I wonder if you didn't know that if you'd spend a lot of time a bit confused at the start I of the movie I was thinking about that I don't think I would have figured it out until about halfway through yeah. the movie if I didn't know 
But I don't. I, I actually don't think. Well, first of all, my thoughts on this. I'm a little scattered because I'm just literally reeling. I loved it. Uh, it was just incredible. I wept uncontrollably. Yes, you did. For large portions of this movie, um, not only this the the bits where you're supposed to weep, but just the. I, I was weeping when ships were sinking during action scenes. I've never like cried at an action scene, but it was. I found it just so. Affecting. I was. I'm really surprised. Really this criticism upset. of it not being emotional because I felt very emotional as well. I felt very emotional. I felt like just being confronted with. I just felt like it was just seeing the reality of war, and then I sort of internal so monologue came out. It's so sad. So young. And so pointless. Yeah, they're so young, yeah. and I just completely disagree with any and I've read a lot of reviews of people saying like you know there's no dialogue I didn't feel anything for the characters but when a movie's this well directed and this well acted the characters are conveyed through the action and a hundred percent I believe that in this movie like it's not like watching something like we did last week War of the Planet of the Apes where there's no dialogue but it's because it's all sign language so there's just all this tedious signed exposition they could have taken a note out of this movie and actually just done away with any language because you don't need it when this when I mean obviously this is Christopher Nolan he's an incredible director but you just you just knew everything about all the characters through their actions and I thought that was incredible in and fact it didn't, anytime it didn't there was any time there was dialogue that's my one flaw with the sound of the movie I couldn't hear whenever anyone spoke I had to whisper it to you to tell me what they said because I could not make it out above the noise yeah and well and t- Tom Hardy wore a mask oh I did not know Bane was in this movie <laughs> yeah. I genuinely didn't I think, know Bane fought in World War 2 I think Tom Hardy prefers roles where uh, most of his face is obscured so weird like I mean he's, he's a great actor and I love Bane. him but he doesn't like in this movie it could be anyone behind that Mad mask Mad Max he spends a lot of it with a muzzle on <laughs> but it was Bane's voice <laughs> yeah um, so that was quite funny but yeah, I think we, it's fair but to say we both absolutely like loved that movie. Lo- like and I'm so shocked at myself because I thought I would not be into it. I cannot. I think that's one of the greatest... I, maybe in, in, I need a bit of time to digest this. But I, oh, on yeah, a whole, that a t- whole experience is one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in, in the cinema. And I, 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 I was literally weeping uncontrollably. I was shaking yeah. at the end of it. <laughs> Um, you were crying more than me, and I cried. You, that's very odd. Do you feel like... Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just in an emotional state. I'm glad we went to see it in the morning. We need to say that like 10am on a Saturday morning, that cinema was packed. And yeah. I'm so glad we saw it then, because it's really emotional and like really almost exhausting to watch. And I think if you did go you know, later in the day, if you're a bit tired or whatever, and you've been commuting all day... This is just like I'm. Re- I would really recommend a seeing it in IMAX and b giving yourself like a relaxing time of the day to watch it. Yeah, it is exhausting. It's a, it's only it's a hundred minutes, which by any standard, you know, we talk a lot about length of movies uh, these days. I know I'm so impressed. Approaching uh, you know, way over two hours. Way over two hours. This is, but but this feels like if it had been any more, I I think I would need psych evaluation. Yeah. I think but, I really admire his restraint in that sense because it's the kind of movie that any studio would have said, you know, go for your life, make it as long as you want. And it's a very restrained running order. And they yeah. said at the start there was an introduction and they said, it's six miles of film? Did you yeah, say if you miles? laid out all the film... That was really interesting. It would, um, for this film... It and um, for a lot of the movies... So we were more. sitting pretty much near the back in the middle. So I'm so glad we waited for our seats. But I during it... <clears throat> 
my back was quite sore. I'm actually not good if you're nine months pregnant. So I went and stood up the back, which I could tell the usher she wasn't that pleased about, but then I said, I can't sit down. My back's too sore. And basically when you're pregnant, no one says anything to you. So I was standing at the back for about 40 minutes. And oh my God, I actually wish you'd watched it from there because those plane scenes over the ocean when I was standing further away than the seats, right in the center of the screen, like blew my mind. Like I was like just mouth agape, just like could not even, it was so beautiful and so immersive. So if anyone can sneak up the back of IMAX. So do you think further back is better? Oh yeah. Yeah, I kind of think that as well. I've never stood at the back. It was incredible, but it was too warm. So I came and sat down again. That's one thing that IMAX could have done with a bit of aircon today. Uh, just going back to the, um, the non-linear narrative, I actually disagree. I don't think that really added anything to the movie for me. I think I would have preferred if it had been linear. Oh yeah, I didn't say it added anything to me. I'm just saying because I understood it, oh, I, I wasn't see, yeah. confused by it. I think I, I think I might have been a little confused if I hadn't known, and I don't really see what it added to it except. Uh, um, it's just a, it's a gimmick almost. I mean, Nolan no, I, is I don't very. Agree. All his movies tend to play with time and linearity in a way. I liked it because when they all aligned, I found it incredibly powerful. I guess. And I just, I mean, I like people experimenting with time in movies. That's all, always something I enjoy. Anyway, I know what you mean though, because I think a lot of people, because they'll have been confused at the start, it will detract from their enjoyment. I just felt like it didn't bring it. It didn't bring anything to me. I guess it's an interesting decision. But I didn't I enjoyed need it. it. I would have just preferred linear. Here. A, I mean, it's a stylistic choice. Basically, you're yeah. either into or you're well, not. I it think. was fine. It didn't. Re- it didn't detract from anything. But it didn't. It felt redundant to me. And what do you think? I, I loved the three settings he chose, which was the air, um, you know, the, the individuals trying to leave the, the beach, land and the sea, and then the individuals coming from the UK on the little ships to try and rescue them, which is such a beautiful story. And that. Um, that plot it had Mark Rylance who's obviously incredible his son who I think is an extra for Made in Chelsea because that's exactly what he looked like though he was a great actor <laughs> and then this He's Irish good. actor who I was so pleased to see I've just looked up his name it's Barry Keown so if anyone's watched Love Hate which is a really good Irish TV show He's in that. He's a little kid. Do you remember him? Yeah, he's a horrible. He he's a horrible, little, horrible kid. little scumbag yeah. character. But he's so good he's in this. He's excellent in this. And I'm just so pleased to see an actor like that getting a chance in a movie like this. So I really thought that plot was incredible. And then Killian Murphy came on board. So you're just watching these incredible let's, actors. Let's talk a little bit about the actors. I thought across the board, amazing performances. Oh my god! Like blew my mind the actor. I mean, everyone will be asking about Harry Styles. I he's thought really good. Thought he was good. I mean, but like. Um, Interestingly, when you compare it to... We were talking on our Game of Thrones episode recently about Ed Sheeran showing up. Oh, there's no comparison. You should have... But there should... It's interesting. There should be a similar effect because he is quite a famous face, but he blended right in. But he wasn't the focus of any scene. Well, yeah, Whereas exactly. in that Game of Thrones scene, they made Ed Sheeran the focus of the scene because he was singing and all that. You know, Harry Styles didn't rock in singing a pop song. Yeah. He very much was a background character who, who got a little bit more prominence as it went on. Um, but I, I genuinely I didn't just think he was passable and not distracting I genuinely thought he was a good actor uh, yeah he delivered all, yeah. everything well I um, loved so then that plot was you know the, the young men leaving the beach and just trying to get home I thought that I thought that main actor of that group was incredible the young guy now yeah, I don't so know his name his name is Fionn Whitehead no. oh, I think oh, do, you know, um, do you know him for something else no I don't I just was looking this up on the way on the train over yeah um, he's yeah, he is he's great says very little 
He essentially um, says nothing, and you. I bought. He was like the number one character I was rooting really for. Really powerful performance. Yeah. Um, I'd like to get to Spoiler Street in a minute because I think I'd like there's some particulars I'd like to. So let's briefly discuss the third plot then. Which so the third plot was the two. Was it two guys or did it start out with three pilots? I got yes. a little bit confused visually because they all look the same. They all had the masks on. I didn't quite follow their plot at the yeah, start, so but three, I really enjoyed it. Three British uh, Spitfire fighters um, assisting with the rescue yeah so that was interesting now that was all obviously from the sky they had masks on you couldn't quite get invested but by the end you did but as I said for those scenes watching them from the back of the cinema like blew my mind it was really? just so beautiful yeah when you think of like they I mean per- per- personally I don't find aerial combat um, has ever been done very well in movies now um, we are going to see Top Gun in a few weeks so I think we can make a direct that, comparison I think that's a great example because I think the aerial fights in Top Gun, which is what that movie is all about, are <laughs> yeah. complete dog but it's shit. It's too hard to engage. You can't us. follow any of it. Yeah, I don't think it works cinematically. But in this instance, it was probably as good as I've seen. I think so. Yeah, but the reason I think it worked was because it tied in quite well without spoiling anything with what was happening in the sea yeah, they all and on the land. So on its own, it wouldn't have worked. You, there was more context yeah. rather than just a load of planes flying around. And you don't quite know. Who's yeah, and it who would cut to what. the people on the ground and we'd see it from their perspective. But I just think, like, it's a bit of a tragedy to get an actor as good and as famous as Tom Hardy and, and essentially could be me behind the mask in the movie. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If anything, um, one of his co-pilots, I don't know who, who played He him. had way more FaceTime. Yeah, and he uh, had a lot more to do. Um, yeah. And was more interesting. It was interesting. But then, I mean, Tom Hardy did come into his own. So, yeah, I think we should go to Spoiler Street as well. Now, obviously, everyone, well, most people know the story of Dunkirk, so yeah, we but can't spoil the overall thing, what but we, we want to talk about the characters. spoil maybe, yeah, individual moments. Um, I guess, if you, I would recommend, first of all, go see this movie. Um, absolutely, and experience it in the biggest and loudest screen you can find, because that is the way to do this. But for me, I have to say, this is purely a cinematic experience. I will not watch this movie again on yeah, a small and, screen. And I wonder how much would be lost when you're watch- if you watched it at home, uh, you know, six Because then it's part of, part of watching it at home, and I know Christopher Nolan doesn't make stuff with a small screen anyway. Part of what makes this movie so great is how, it's, how you're watching it, right, in that immersive um, environment. So to watch it at home, you lose most of that. And suddenly you're like, you would start going, oh, well, actually, maybe there's not enough people speaking for me. Maybe I'm not invested enough. Maybe it's a bit long. But other criticisms might come in. Whereas when you're at this in the cinema, that's so overwhelming that that's all that matters. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, watch it on a so big screen. So go see it. But yeah. we'll, we'll turn on to um, the spoiler section of South Bank. Yeah, lovely part of South Bank. Spoiler yeah. Street. Yeah, Never I don't before. know if anyone's ever, ever wandered down here. <laughs> yeah. It's just past the Oxo Tower. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, so spoilery around yeah, here. Yeah, it is so spoilery. Okay. So, what do you want to, why don't we talk about each of the three yeah. separate plots? So, so I, yeah, again, I don't know that there is much to spoil, really. Um, it's starting to rain. So with the plot with the Mark Rylands and his son and their, their little... Um, Irish ship boy whatever his name was well he wasn't Irish in this he wasn't Irish in this um, George oh my I god I just thought poor George and his then his beautiful speech when he said I just want to be remembered maybe one of my teachers will see me in the paper I just thought that oh I, god that got me bad and then when when the son Mark Rylance's son he was actually, excellent he was excellent I mean they're all incredible when he went and got his school picture and actually brought it to the paper oh. and then it was published I mean that's when we were so both sweet. just bawling but and it's also interesting, just the he's the biggest tragedy we saw and he wasn't even a soldier. 
It was so sad. But just yeah. the moment where we found out that he died. And then there's a lovely moment between the son and Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy, who you can't really blame him for this, and the son doesn't wish to inflict any more pain on him. Yeah, so he, he says, yeah, him, he's is fine. Is he going to be all right? And he says, yes. I do think, I mean, obviously I know Killian Murphy is in all Christopher Nolan movies and he loves him, and Killian Murphy's an amazing actor. And from Tom Cork, Hardy. Where we're from, so obviously we like him. He, he was almost, like, wasted in this, like... He barely had anything to do. You know, I don't think he was... But it was an interesting character to, to have that... To see someone who's <laughs> suffering from extreme mental trauma, who's just left the battle, and then to have to go back into that. I know, that. and I did enjoy then that we flashed back to seeing him earlier when he was in a much more capable mood. Yeah. I, I almost that's didn't That's the point I think then. a lot of people will be like, huh? Yeah, I think that's the one <laughs> you realise the timelines are off. <laughs> yeah. But I... I almost think okay he went to the effort if he started to fight Mark Ryland and say turn the ship back I'm not going to Dunkirk knocks his kid over and then just stops and is like then completely like docile and willing to go back to Dunkirk and I thought no actually well, I think he'd have pushed it a bit more I don't think he'd have just stopped well no I think we'd seen what, what his act what, he, what he'd done and the, then he was just obsessed with the safety of that boy when he wasn't that obsessed he didn't go down and help him but I think look, I mean he obviously had PTSD know. anyway but the, the whole Mark thing was so traumatic was, was Oh, he's very like very subtle sort of performance from him. Like there's like all his you get a little bit of tragedy when you you find out about the son, um, but just his commitment to doing the right thing, and he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't let the navy take over. He wanted to go in and help, and there was there was quite an interesting thing with 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 his, with his plot where Killian Murphy says to him, "You should be at home. You're an old man," um, and he was like, "No, I don't want any more of." my sons to well he to said fight. he I said old fight. men have sent young men to die in this war which yeah. I thought was really amazing yeah I really enjoyed him I also kind of got the impression or assumed that he had probably fought in World War One himself yeah likely so and then the moment when him and I love this because it was taking just the micro the micro plot of him and then it pulled out the camera and we saw like you know all the hundreds of ships. civilian ships arriving at the same time and that was the first time in the, in the movie that I got really emotional and actually started crying because I thought it was so yeah. It was just such a lovely moment, and you needed that moment of happiness where everyone cheered. And can we talk about Hans Zimmer's score a little bit? Because it really swelled there. Yeah, uh, it was beautiful. But actually, I thought it really was most affecting in the um, in, in in any of the suspense moments. Like he just the score kept building and building yeah, and incredible. building and building. Just 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 so simple as just like a violin. I mean, this will have to just sweep the Oscars, faster. right? You would assume. I mean, not for acting categories, probably, because the roles are all too small in their own right. But just for the score and the direction. And I'd love to sound. see. Yeah, I'd love to see a director. I'd love to see sound editing, sound and mixing. And I think the script. Now, this might be controversial, but to write such a lean dialogue, such a unusual way of telling the story. And to have it all based around this historical event, I think it's really quite an achievement. I really admire the script writing in this. There's one instance where know. the dialogue um, told me something that the visual didn't, which was they said there are 400,000 men on this beach. And I thought, okay, that's weird because they have not conveyed at all that there's 400,000 men on the beach. Like that's at most, true. I would have thought 50,000 from the, the other visual. thing was at the end, Kenneth Branagh then yeah. says, Churchill got his 30,000 plus more. We got 300,000 off. And I was like, that hadn't been conveyed no. to me either. Because all you'd that, really like, seen, two hundred people had been rescued. Well, all you'd really seen was the, it, everything going wrong. Yeah, I didn't see. I didn't get a sense that three hundred thousand people got away. So it was inter- It was almost like in that instance, he chose for the dialogue to tell us something that he just didn't have time to fit in visually, and that's fine because that's you know the script should make up for that. But I just thought, oh, that's interesting. 
Let's talk a bit about um, the so that Fionn Whitehead. I think it was Whitehead. Fionn Whitehead uh, uh, on the land. His story. He it was so, minimal he dialogue the movie. there. He opens the movie. Incredible scene, and then he he meets this guy from who was a French who was French, and we didn't realize because the whole time because they were just communicating. Oh, I knew straight away. Did well, you? I, I thought he was German. I didn't think he was French because oh, we saw never, that he blatantly stripped a corpse. Oh well, you're smarter than me. I was just like, I just thought he was burying his friend. No, because he, that. we saw that he'd taken the shoes, and then we actually saw that he was adjusting his trousers and his top, like he'd blatantly stolen the uniform. Oh, now I thought right. it was a good, obviously you didn't pick up on that, and I did, but I also thought it was a good twist that he was French at the end because I thought he's German. Yeah. Plus, the plot was called the Mole, so I knew that was related to him. No, no, the Mole was a reference to the area. I think it's Kenneth Branagh said we need to focus on the Mole. Oh well, anyway, I also I think there was a double somebody reference. Ri- somebody write in and correct no, us. No, I think there. it was also a double reference though to him being a mole because thought but he was wasn't a, a mole. Fight. He was French. Yeah, but he—they were making the audience think he was a mole. Oh yeah, okay. Well, I did. But anyway, all the stuff with them and then... And then uh, they like got a stretcher just to get on the boat. Like, that was so really clever. interesting. I thought everything, everything they did to try to survive was a, it was very ingenious and clever, but it was. Um, it's just really powerful to struggle and like the way he these young boys want to get out of war I that's know, all it is ju- I just wanted them to escape and I felt so stressed when they got on the boat and then um, the, the main guys uh, Harry Styles asked the main guys where's your friend he said he's uh, he's up on board he's like got an exit strategy essentially like he's he thought it was fa- and, and I they thought were all he's German and he's going to leave them trapped and then oh. he, he rescues them which I thought was amazing when they were all trapped in that in that boat when it was sinking I just started crying again yeah, that was really traumatic. Oh, it's um, raining. Hold on, I'll get an umbrella. Um, so, yeah, that whole plot. And then when they got on the boat and they aligned with Mark Rylance and his son, I just loved that. And then they just, they're covered in oil. And then it's kind of flashing back to them before they were rescued by Mark Rylance. And at that point I thought, do you know what? We get it. I don't think you need to be showing us as as they're being rescued also showing us before they're being rescued. I didn't necessarily think that really added anything. There were so many clever little bits here because apparently... Uh, I was reading it. Christopher Nolan just like read hundreds of first-hand accounts of, of people's experiences and he tied a lot of those stories into these plots. The plots are all fictional. The characters are fictional. But, but they're all based on real, real accounts. Um, and one of the ones that got me was um, the the boat that is is stranded on the on the shore and that's going to get brought in by the tide and they're all hiding there. Then this, the Germans start to... Uh, target practice and the holes then they have to patch the holes up and that showed how clever our protagonist is because he's the only one on the ship who said no they're only doing target practice the rest of them thought they were under attack yeah so he was smart and he was brave because he's the only one who would stick his head up above the water as well and he's the only one who was standing up for the French guy I loved that when he had this real moral moment and he said we're not going to why would we throw him off board because he's French and he also very practically said um that won't make any difference like the boat sinking throwing one person overboard makes no difference and I thought in this scene Harry Styles was really good he played a proper not not villainous at all but just self-serving in that moment of well we're gonna die so why would we save a French person when we're all English and you could totally understand his point of view and at the same time you totally felt for the French guy and I just thought that was really amazing and I love when they got rescued and then they were just on the boat and then when they landed in England, what I thought was really interesting, again, from Harry Styles' character, was that he was shamed that they had fled. And he thought that everyone yeah. he thought that everyone was judging them for being cowards. He and thought he, the, he thought the, the guy wouldn't look him in the eyes, but he was blind. He was blind, yeah. And then when they were... That was another beautiful moment when they were on the train then. They got handed the beers through the window. And the, yeah, he thinks people are knocking on the window to taunt them, but people aren't. They're just saying, like, welcome back. They give them beer and 
just even little moments like when they first got on the big boat that ended up um, getting torpedoed they're giving toast and jam you know all the comfort like they're so hungry and tired and cold but hearing Churchill's words I thought were very powerful yeah I thought that was really powerful like that's such such an amazing speech it's a very famous speech but I thought you know the the bit that everyone remembers is we will fight them on the on on beaches uh, we'll fight them in the on the sea that's that's the stuff that's very heroic and powerful but I thought he I read on, on Wikipedia on the way over on the train because I was reading up about Dunkirk he the, apparently the, the press obviously hailed this as a victory you know I, but it wasn't and he, he said um, his key phrase was um, this is not a victory escape um, an evacuation is not a victory um, it depends is, on it what you're talking about victory I mean you no, have no, he was trying to put this in context because you've got to forget remember this is the very beginning of the war this is 1940 Oh, I didn't realise it was that early. Yeah, this is 1940. Oh, I thought it was later. This is literally when Germany have just swept through France and taken oh, it. Oh, okay, so I didn't know that. So you're talking, they've got a long, long road ahead of them. So do you think those young soldiers would have had to go victory. back to Germany then? Probably. Absolutely. Yeah, they yeah. wouldn't have had any kind Can of respite. Imagine that? And then what, if we think about, you know, in recent history, how recent this is, like just two guys at work I was chatting to the other day and they both said their grandfathers have been at Dunkirk. Yeah. You know, you think like that's first-hand accounts of this event. Um, it really blew my mind. And it, then I'd I say, feel like it's got a very—you you kind of said it before we went in—but it's got a this this movie. I think will have a have a different impact for the British. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, obviously it's completely British-centric. We're, we're Irish. No, I assume in France it would be huge, and they'll all be as interested. I think I it's going to be huge it's very, everywhere. It's a very there, British. Though. It's a British story. But I don't think much. it matters if you're not British or you don't know about it before. No, no. Well, I found it incredibly no, it's moving. It's a human story. But I think there's something more about it for the British. Um, you know, obviously the Irish, we didn't fight in World War II. A lot of Irish did go and fight for the British, but Ireland was neutral. Um, so, and there's a, there's, a, there's a more personal point to all this. Yeah, of course. And then I think we should just very briefly talk, talk about the Tom Hardy plot. There's not really much to say. I thought that was probably the, the, the least interesting. Yeah, but also because it was only set over an hour, right? So if you think of that compared to something that's set over a day or a week. I thought a few things I liked. I thought the um, him trying to keep track of his, his fuel with yeah, a bit of chalk was very clever. Because his gauge wasn't working. Um, I completely, as I said, missed the first guy being killed, so I didn't think that was done particularly well. Yeah. Um, and then well, that was, the, that was their, their commander. And um, then I really enjoyed and, it. But I liked oh, the commander with such a like, 1950s he didn't know. voice. He I was like... Hello, chaps. We're ready to go. <laughs> um, I liked that. You, you, there's no way. Like the commander had had gone down, but they didn't know. Like and he was just like he just wasn't answering us. And then he had to like sweep around the area and look for his boat. Then they had to say, you know, there was no parachute. He's probably dead. All the little judgment calls you have to make. Why do they? None of them have parachutes. I find that very odd. Well, the, the he went for a sea landing because at least if you landed at see you, you have a chance of seeing a float I, guess. I did enjoy oh, that was terrifying when he was trying to get out yeah I really uh, enjoyed when Mark Rylance and them rescued him I thought that was really beautiful yeah. and then at the end just when, when all three plots came together and Tom Hardy you know shot down the German plane and everyone cheered for him I thought that was really beautiful and yeah. then Tom Hardy makes this beautiful kind of sunset landing and then did German soldiers come yeah, and get him yeah got captured okay yeah that's what interestingly I the only time in the movie we ever saw a single German soldier yeah really interesting you don't see you don't see the um, the opposing side in this 
So yeah, I think we were both. I mean, I expected you to really like it, and and you always enjoy like big, you know, Christopher Nolan movies and big IMAX things. No, well, not always. I'm really happy that I liked it because there's, you know, there's nothing better than going to the cinema and having an experience like that. I, I almost feel like our usual format of just reacting immediately. We almost need to have like thought about it a bit more. But look, we can't help that. Um, I just feel I felt I was so moved by the whole experience. Yeah. By the whole thing. I want. I. And let's hope our child isn't deaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really genuinely concerned now. Um, and then, so yeah, I mean, God, go and see it. And look, whether you love it or hate it, it's completely worthwhile going to see either way because it has been a little. Show divisive. you what cinema can do. It, I mean, it's not really divisive though. It's overwhelmingly yeah, positive reviews. It's just some people. I think the only criticism I've really heard is that some it people left them cold. cold and they felt they weren't emotionally invested. Yeah. Which I completely disagreed with. And if you do want to see a movie. Another completely different take on Dunkirk, which was really interesting to me, um, and I loved it, and I reviewed it a couple of months ago with my mom. As I mentioned, their finest. I think you'd really like it. Um, so in that movie, they're making within the context of the movie, they're making another one that's based on an event that had happened, which was two sisters had stolen their dad's boat and gone out themselves to save soldiers. And it was just like a really moving. Again, it's that story of like the every man, you know, doing something really heroic during war, every woman. Normally I would give out about this movie saying, you know, there's no women in it. But in this instance, that's historically accurate and there's no reason why women would have been in the movie. I did yeah. love at the end when the civilians came along and, um, you know, there were women on those boats and one of them was wearing heels. <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> She's just like standing on the boat with a pair of heels. Yeah, I think... And another thing I wanted to mention was... Um, I know I had said, you know, I haven't really seen any more movies in years, but I had actually, towards the end of this, remembered I saw one that you didn't see. I think it was about three years ago. It was called The Water Diviner, the Russell Crowe movie. Oh, yeah. And that's about Gallipoli and in the trenches of World War One, And those trench scenes, I thought, were really incredible. Yeah. Um, I totally recommend people see that. And that was another one you think, oh, so close to home, because after I saw it, I was speaking to my dad about it, and he told me my great-grandfather had been in Gallipoli, which I hadn't known. And that, in terms of World War One trench warfare, I thought was really well done. Um, I really enjoyed that. And World War One was a lot more... So different. And horrible. And it's all just so recent. Like, that's the terrifying thing about watching a movie like this. That's what kept getting to me. Yeah. Just the, the whole concept of, of war and the reality of it, and that this all happened and it and it's still happening to varying degrees I know degrees it's just horrific this world. is just such a huge scale and then I do want to mention as well um, we don't normally talk about books on this podcast but a book we both read last year it's called All the Light You Cannot See and it was written by Anthony Doerr and it won the Pulitzer for Fiction and I couldn't stop thinking about book. that book during this movie were you yeah. thinking about it? no so that book is um, has two main characters so a young French girl and a young German boy and it all accumulates again in a French seaside town. Um, this is much later in the war under Nazi occupation, and it's one of the best books I ever read. I totally recommend a read of it um, if you're interested in this in this particular area of the world during that time of the war. Just incredible. And I think I was more moved by this movie because I kept thinking of that book as well, which is a bit weird. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say. I just totally no, recommend let's, it. Let's leave it there. Yeah, um, I'm, and I just have to say, I've never seen Dave so upset in a movie. I'm really upset. Yeah. I feel like I, I'm speechless. But then at the end, how happy were we both when we saw that um, guy in the newspaper? That was such a beautiful moment. That local boy no, is a hero it's just at so Dunkirk. Tragic. 
I know it's just such a waste of young lives and that's why I think it's really important that they had that line from Mark Rylance where he says you know older men are sending young men to their death yeah because that's what it is always so yeah wow I love Mark Rylance I'm so I'm like exhausted after watching that movie I know how are we going to go have a normal (laughs) day yeah so anyway, I'm glad okay. we saw it when we did, and we're under an umbrella here. So well, let us know. Um, yeah. Let us know what you thought of Dunkirk. Um, please tweet us at the Cinemile. Uh, you can email us at thecinemile at gmail.com. and uh, please like us on uh, Facebook. Just search the Cinemile, and we're on Instagram as well. Yeah, and also tell us if you didn't like it and why you didn't like it, because I'd be really interested to hear. Yeah, that. I am interested to yeah. have some conversations about it. Because I feel this. like we're so on the same page of this movie, which doesn't always happen, so it'll be interesting to hear a dissent. <laughs> yeah, no, no, because I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to hear different opinions on this without, you know, I don't want to shout anyone down. And I also, I yeah, if, you, if, you, if we hadn't seen it at IMAX, I wonder if we'd be as raving about it as Yeah, well. I think this is, you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier, you said this is all about how you see it. Yeah, if um, I watched this, this at home on TV, I probably would have no interest in it's it. It's pure cinema. Yeah, it's pure cinematic experience. And don't forget one more thing, subscribe to us on iTunes and we would very much appreciate it if you left us a review. And pop in there and leave us a review, that really, really helps us uh, get noticed and we've had some great, lovely reviews from, from people. Thank you to everyone who, who has done Yes. Um, okay, let's go out to the I rain. love you all. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.